I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Atención que tenemos gol en la cerámica. Pillado la espalda a la defensa del Villarreal, el argelino Islam Slimani marca el Anderlecht, marca el equipo belga. Hello everyone and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's not a midweek podcast and uh, we've had a fascinating week in European football. Not a great one for the Spanish sides in truth. I'm your host Matt Clark. I'm delighted to be joined by Paco Pollitt. And um, Paco, how are you? It's been a a dramatic week in, in European football, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely not the best one, you know, because uh, we were uh, pretty hopeful about uh, all of the Spanish sides, you know, being able to compete and uh, move on to the next round. And uh, only Real Madrid, who had most of their work done for them in the in the first leg, and also Sevilla, who took advantage of that 2-0 win in the, in the first leg, were the ones to succeed. And the rest of our Spanish sides have, you know, failed... In some cases, miserably. You know, Betis had no chance against Manchester United. Um, Villarreal came down crashing very, very hard in their Conference League game. Also, Betis were inefficient. Also, Real Sociedad were uh, overwhelmed. Um, I don't know. Overall, it, it wasn't the best week for, for Spanish football, as you said. No, not at all. The good news is, that, as of course, Real Madrid are through in the Champions League. They won 1-0 against Liverpool on Wednesday night at the Santiago Bernabeu. Karen Benzema scoring against the Reds once again as they safely pass through. And uh, on Thursday night, Sevilla, as you say, the only Spanish side through in the Europa League. They lost in Turkey 1-0 to Fenerbahce, but because they'd won 2-0 in Seville, that was enough for them to get through. Not a single Spanish side scored tonight, Paco. It's, it's not great at all, especially, I'd say, for the likes of Villarreal and Real Sociedad playing at home, expected to to try and make a, a comeback or, or get the the decisive goals, but it just didn't happen. So I know you saw a lot of the Sevilla game, so let's start with that. Yeah, I think that Sevilla's game was, you know, the perfect example of how things can go awry very quickly. And if you don't really take uh, a game seriously, it can come back and bite you, uh, you know, and and make things very troublesome for you. Uh, obviously, whenever you travel on to, to Turkey, you're going to find yourself in, in a very tight spot, as we saw uh, Sevilla against Fenerbahce. And that 2-0 advantage was pretty, you know, uh, 
I don't know, uh, was pretty positive for, for Sevilla, for San Paoli's men. Um, as we've said many times this season in La Liga Lowdown, it's one of the weirdest cases around in, in European football because they are fighting for their lives in uh, La Liga, you know, in the relegation battle. And at the same time, they are eyeing the potential, uh, you know, they are already in the in the round of 18 um, and they could move on to semifinals and they could move on to, you know, even the final. Sevilla are absolute specialists in, in this uh, competition. But, you know, it's two kind of two phases of, of the team this year so far. And, uh, yeah, I think they, they, they found themselves in a, in a tight spot um, because uh, Fenerbahce were, you know, going against Sevilla's goal in waves and um, Ener Valencia was the one in charge of scoring that uh, goal from the penalty spot after a questionable bar VAR once again uh, making things difficult for our Spanish sides and uh, defending wasn't the greatest for, for Sevilla I think that suffering was the world uh, for them in, in this game and uh, yeah once again they, they were successful in, in that kind of uh, you know, game in the second half. They they didn't do things excessively well, but it was more than enough because Fenerbahce at the same time, even though they had big name players as uh, Batshuayi back in the day or other other players, um, I think that uh, Sevilla were the the better team overall. Uh, they made good use of that two 0 advantage in the in the first game and and they move on to the next round, which is great. Even though some of of their players as Dimitreski, um, as Dimitrovic, sorry. As Dimitrovic, the um, the goalkeeper, uh, you know, once again he had an incident. He he suffered against uh, one uh, um, fan in in a former game only a couple of weeks ago, and once again he suffered the the throwing of uh, items from the from the stands. Um, he suffered a minor injury in his head. Um, I expect Fenerbahce to be fined to some extent because of that. But, you know, one of those things which often happens whenever you visit Turkey to play a, a football game. Yeah, it was remarkable that it's happened to Dimitrovic in the space of a few weeks. It was in, in Eindhoven, wasn't it, a few weeks ago mm -hmm. in the PSV clash. And then in this game in Turkey in Fen against Fenerbahce, the, the, a lighter was thrown, many lighters were thrown, yeah. and one struck him on the head. And Rakitic picked them up and was, you know, showing the referee that caught on camera that a lighter is deplorable actions from those fans. And the game was stopped for a time when they, the classic uh, announcement on the Tannoy system, the PA saying, you know, don't throw things on the pitch, otherwise the game will be stopped. But of course, it had to go on and continue. Yeah. And um, thankfully, there were no more serious incidents after that. But yeah, it's, it is worrying that, I mean, I think Rory Barlow tweeted it, footballers shouldn't put, be putting themselves at risk by just doing their job. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know if he, it's, uh, you know, Dimitrovic, um, uh, he has some sort of unlucky charm on him because it's very weird that two incidents in, you know, only a couple of weeks apart happened to the same guy in a, in a football pitch. But yeah, uh, you know, uh, the Netherlands is a rowdy place, Turkey is a rowdy place. And fortunately for Dimitrovic, he's, you know, tough as nails, possibly one of the toughest guys mm. in, in Spanish football. So... I guess that it, uh, the night hasn't been easy for him because of all of the pressure and, you know, getting thrown uh, items and objects at you. But at the end of the day, he's hard and he's a tough guy. And uh, I think that he's going to, you know, overcome this, this kind of incident. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just quickly mention Sevilla's remarkable record then because, that, as we know, that as you said, suffering in the league 
could easily get relegated, but potentially still win the Europa League, such is the nature of their season. They've won the last, including qualifiers, they've won the last 29 of the last 31 uh, eliminatory matches in the Europa League. Simply remarkable record. Mm. And every time they've reached the quarterfinals in this competition, they've gone on to win it. So if you're looking for an omen to Via fans, there you go. Fantastic from them to get over the line, and they will be waiting for the draw on Friday morning. As for the other teams, unfortunately, they are out. Betis losing 1-0 at home to Manchester United to complete a 5-1 aggregate defeat. Real Sociedad huffed and puffed, and, but couldn't break down the Roman rearguard. And Villarreal, probably most alarmingly, having drawn 1-1 in Belgium, they lost at home to the team in ninth place in the Belgian league. And it comes exactly a year to the day since they won yeah. 3-0 in Turin in the Champions League. So what a drop. I mean, that's just a simple, you know, calendar year thing, one year on. Hmm. What a decline in terms of European performance. Yeah, and I think that many things can be, you know, uh, analyzed in this, in this um, knockout for, for Villarreal, especially the main difference which lies in their, in their dugout and also the, you know, the lack of... I would say ambition in many in many senses because it's true that it's only one calendar year for Villarreal, but many things have happened in that time. You know, uh, Unai Emery left for for the Premier League. In came Kike Setien. Also, the the passing uh, away of Jose Manuel Llaneza, which was one of the uh, you know main clubs architects in the last twenty five years, which was a big blow for for Villarreal sports wise. And also, I believe that in this game in particular, I think that they were too confident you know they for most of the game that uh nil nil score was uh, great for them and and i think that all brl players expected them to score eventually and and what happened was that eslimani was in charge of scoring with only 20 minutes to go and suddenly they were you know uh, a sense of alarm uh, kicked in and all of the urgency coming in and you know and brl uh, began began um as we say in Spanish, precipitarse. And, and they were unable to mm. just play in the right way the last 20-15 minutes of the game because they had the quality, they had the better player. Actually, Villarreal were favourites to win this conference league, but they were just unable to to beat uh, Anderlecht, who defended very, very well in the last few minutes and knocked out the, 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 biggest, the biggest team of the competition. So, big blow for Villarreal. Um, the season is already over in what uh, remains for you know European uh, competitions and also Copa del Rey, and they only have La Liga in front of them, and and they need to wake up. Uh, I don't know if Kike Setien will be able to do it, but uh, on one hand, I believe that he's going to finish the season regardless because uh, sacking Setien would mean that uh, you know the board would be responsible of a uh, wrong appointment. And most of the time, you know, that executives don't really want to show themselves as weak or as inefficient in that sense. But I believe that Kike Setien won't make it past uh, the summer. I think that Villarreal will try to, you know, shift gears once again in the in the dugout, find someone who is able to, you know, uh, catch uh, the properly the the baton pace uh, passed by by Unai Emery, and uh, Kike Setien has proven this season that possibly the shoes are too big for him to to fill. Yeah, he's not got a great record in European football, has he? You only, you only have to ask Barca fans about that. And he's taken charge of four Conference League games for Villarreal and two draws and two defeats. Of course, they were already qualified when he took over, so a little bit of mitigating circumstance there, but not 
not a great record. Um, there have been some rumours that uh, Andoni Iraola is the one that they will look to if they do make a change in the summer. So watch this face, listener, on that one. But let's talk about a little bit of positive then. Real Madrid through to the Champions League quarterfinals, beating Liverpool. The damage was done at Anfield. In truth, they were never really troubled on Wednesday night. Are Real Madrid favourites for the Champions League, Paco? Possibly so, yes, even though um, Haaland uh, and his masterclass uh, possibly has frightened most of the the opposition after what he did the other day with those five goals. I think that Manchester City at at, at least this season once again feeling very, very strong in, in the Champions League, but they lack that kind of Real Madrid uh, gravitas whenever they face these kind of games, you know, and, and against Liverpool, they were able to beat them, I would say, playing at... 50-60% of their real level, you know. I think that Liverpool yeah. were just unable to 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 make Real Madrid tickle in the first half. They only, I think Darwin Núñez was the only one um, uh, performing a, a shot on target on the, on the first period, which shows just the way, the amazing way Real Madrid are able to defend whenever they, they put their mind to it. And in the second half, you know, Vinicius was was not the, you know, it wasn't his, his best game, but uh, regardless, he he was able to, to generate some sense of danger. And ultimately, Real Madrid just were able to score and, and call it a day. And uh, Liverpool just, uh, you know, uh, left all of their resistance uh, in in their bus because they they were just unable to to make Real Madrid to budge uh, from their position. So ultimately, the the six goals in both games shows just how dangerous Real Madrid can be, how clinical they can be, and also that kind of state of mind that they that they have whenever they they play in in the Champions League. Yeah, indeed, ominous for the other sides in the competition. They want to avoid them. Surely, I thought Nacho did a great job against Mo Salah and. The midfield in particular, Kamavinga was phenomenal, and and Modric and Kroos. We say it so often, but they were just just irresistible in the centre of the park there, in, in just controlling everything and, and stuffing out anything that Liverpool could throw at them. So, yeah, really professional job from Carlo Ancelotti's team. Um, he's one of four Italian coaches in the last eight, interestingly, as well as three Italian clubs. Uh, so yeah, it'll be fascinating to see in those draws. That's on Friday. We've got the Champions League draw and then the Europa League draw, of course. Um, Real Madrid and Sevilla, the only Spanish sides left. And the last time there was only two Spanish sides in the quarterfinals of European competitions, Paco, was 2008, 2009. So it's it's been a bit of a golden age for sure for Spanish football. But is this a sign of a concern for the league as a whole that the Spanish sides are performing so meekly in Europe now? Yeah, I think that it's the perfect showcase of La Liga's decline in, in, the, in the latest years. And uh, the main issue is that the people in charge in this case, Javier Tebas and all of his, uh, you know, assistants uh, over in La Liga are just blind to this kind of, uh, you know, proof that the competition is uh, declining, whereas others are are increasing their level. I think that La Liga, back in the day, was the place to go in Europe whenever you wanted like the top t- top players, top teams, and that kind of role has been taken over by by the Premier League. Most of the of the talent is moving on over there. Uh, you know, the 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 spending, the budgets, the the stadiums, the grounds, the um, you know the the facilities, everything speaks volumes about how well things are being run over in 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 the UK and how 
all of the different issues which are plaguing Spanish football are slowly catching up to, to the level of the competition. And I think it's no coincidence that uh, Barca got knocked out, uh, Betis got knocked out, Real Sociedad, Villarreal, um, and only you have you know two survivors out of seven in European competitions, even though some of them, Villarreal, got last season to the semi-finals of the Champions League and this season were the favourites for the conference and they got knocked out too. And that's because uh, overall, as I said, the level of the competition has has fallen dramatically. All of the issues with the refereeing are, uh, you know, impossible to miss. And also all of the, you know, controversies surrounding the competition, surrounding Barca, surrounding Tebas, surrounding Rubiales, many things distracting uh, fans from the from the real issues which are plaguing the league. And they are that the spending is not up to par with the Premier League and that the level of the teams are just not the same. And that's why only Real Madrid in the Champions League are able to, to compete at high level because their budget is uh, you know, going through the roof in the, in the last few seasons because of the, all of the re- revenue that, that is go- coming their way. And uh, at the same time, that's what Real Madrid are, possibly one of their biggest uh, advocates of the Super League because they, they are realizing that playing in La Liga at this point, uh, if you compare the Spanish competition to others around Europe, the Bundesliga, Serie A, Pre- uh, Premier League, obviously, I think that La Liga is, is uh, uh, you know, uh, it's falling um, apart in some sense. It's, it's getting relegated to second tier and that shouldn't be the case. Mm, indeed. Uh, a moment of uh, somber reflection there from Paco on the state of Spanish clubs in Europe. Um as we say, the good news is we still have two, and those two happen to be the kings of the respective competition. So there's hope yet, fans. Let's try and stay a little bit optimistic for the rest of the season. But as you say, a poor night in, in Europe on Thursday. Stay with us after the break because we're going to be talking all about El Clasico, which is coming around the corner on Sunday. So stay tuned. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone, welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our midweek podcast ahead of match day 26 in La Liga. Not too far away from the final stretch now. Things are getting very important up and down the table. Something else to look out for on Friday though is the Spain squad announcement before the international break. Luis de la Fuente will name his first squad since he took over from Luis Enrique following the World Cup. So keep an eye out for that. We've got some stuff on Substack about players who may or should be included. So check that out lllonline.substack.com But now, Paco, it's El Clásico. Um, Barcelona nine points there at the top of the league. Real Madrid simply have to win this, don't they? Yes, I think that it can be a, a definitive blow for Barca if they are able to, to beat uh, Real Madrid at home. Especially after all of the controversies surrounding Barca in the last few weeks with all of the Enrique Negreira um, controversy, with all of the you know different um, accusations here and there regarding the refereeing, uh, you know Barca having uh, this guy in charge of uh, producing uh, reports regarding the the referees which were going to be in charge of the games that they were going to play. Real Madrid remaining silent for over one month and suddenly uh, coming out guns blazing last weekend with, you know, uh, going into, you know, legal the legal battle. Real Madrid have also um, uh, set foot in, in that sense uh, after, as I said, many weeks of remaining silent. Uh, Tebas also speaking about this, uh, Rubiales and, uh, and the Spanish Federation also uh, taking a stance against uh, Barca. Overall, Plenty of trouble for, for Laporta and his men. And, uh, you know, I think that Laporta has tried to turn things around and spin them. Uh, you know, spin doctors are all of the, the hype over here. Trying to put, like, the Barca situation as the whole world against us. 
and yeah. uh, surprisingly, it's working. You know, for for several <laughs> fans, I obviously I obviously <laughs> respect all of them. You know, respect Barca fans because many of them might feel uh, betrayed by their own club because of all of this refereeing controversy, but. Most of them also believe that all of this is a, is a hoax, you know, uh, trying to, uh, you know, uh, stop Barca in their tracks of, of winning La Liga. So I respect all of the views. There's plenty of, of legal actions to to be analyzed and, and dissected in the following months. But uh, speaking only about the game, Barca can can deliver the the finishing blow on the on the competition. One Barca win, in my view, would polish it. You know, with only 12 games remaining, I think that it would be the 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 biggest leap towards winning the the league whereas for real madrid um still alive obviously in copa del rey uh even though the the game is going to be tough for them in the in the second leg also as champions league candidates and also with barca at hand's reach they would be on their way for a triplet would which would actually be amazing for for real madrid so Plenty of things to win, both of them. And and I think that kind of pressure and, and desire and drive is going to affect both sides. And that's why they're going to, you know, tackle the opposition as hard as they can and and go full full on, full, full throttle with all of their of their weapons and all of their tools to try to win this game, which might be in the last few seasons one of the classicos with most with most spice uh, in them. Yeah, we've had a few decaffeinated in recent seasons, but it, this one does feel pretty big, um, especially with the second leg of the Copa del Rey to come as well. This is Xavi's sixth Classico as a coach, but bizarrely, it's his first at Cam now, which will be quite a novelty for him. Um, yeah, it's a very strange dynamic. He's hoping that he has Pedri back. We were speaking in our group chat, and Christian Porton has, has noted the role of Pedri and how, if he's back in time, if he's past fit, how influential he could be on the game because... As Roman said on the last pod, Barca haven't looked the same in midfield since he was injured. Yeah. And of course, him and the team, they, they were so dominant in that Supercopa back in Saudi Arabia. So do you think Pedri and his fitness will be the key for Barca? Possibly so, but at the same time, I'm not as optimistic regarding Pedri because of his, you know, the type of injury, uh, which is a, a, muscle, a muscle strain. I think that... Um, the recovery is not the same as when you have like kind of traumatic injury in your knee or in your ankle. I think that you have to go slowly with these kinds of uh, issues. And uh, if Pedro is able to play the game, he won't be 100%. So in that case, I don't really know what Xavi is going to do. I uh, know for sure, definitely 100% that Pedri wants to play the game. He's doing everything in his hand to, to recover in time. But at the same time, uh, you might risk the player... And uh, if the injury goes, uh, you know, takes a turn for worse, you might lose him for more time. And Barca yeah. need Pedri. You know, they need Pedri as, uh, you know, as the as someone uh, lost in the desert needs water. And uh, I don't really know if Xavi wants to risk Pedri uh, once again falling into another injury. Uh, if uh, in this kind of game, because ultimately. Uh, this might be definitive for Barca, but if Real Madrid wins it, Barca are still in charge. So yeah. uh, they have many other chances of of regaining the, those lost three points. So I don't I don't know. Uh, Pedri's Pedri's situation is going to be very tricky for for the manager. Also remember Dembélé's case, which uh, you know I think it's a a very tough uh, loss for for the manager. 
and there are plenty of other players uh, away. You know, Lewandowski was back, but uh, he didn't look so good last last week. Uh, remember, Real Madrid, David Alaba is out. Um, uh, Mendy was the other day on the on the bench, I believe, against Liverpool. Let's see if he's available too. And uh, I think that Real Madrid's main issue right now uh, in the physical side of things is, is Benzema. Because I haven't yeah. seen him, even though he's playing as, as the starter, and I haven't seen him in the same way he was before the World Cup. I think that the, uh, I think age, obviously, it's a, a big factor in this, but um, Ancelotti should try to get Benzema into top shape once again. Because he's able to do, if he's able to do so, mid-April, in, an, in the following 15 days, he would be in tip-top shape for the crucial games of the season, where Real yeah. Madrid can have the chance of, you know, uh, conquering the triplet. So, uh, remember that the second leg of the Copa del Rey is in the first week of April. So, I think there's plenty of time, wiggle time over there to to Ancelotti trying to do something as specific with Benzema and get him to, to top form. Hmm. On Real Madrid then, what about Camavinga? Because he was absolutely superb in the Champions League against Liverpool playing as the pivot in place of Aurelio Chouameni. But he has played at left-back multiple times this season. So where do you think he will be played in this game? Well, I, I think that the the, the way he, he performed against Liverpool was one of those situations where Ancelotti is trying to test things before uh, some sort of test flight, you know, for, for a plane. And uh, in in their game against Barca, we could definitely see once again Camavinga cross Modric in the in the middle, and once again Valverde in the wing, uh, Vinicius in the in the in the left wing, and Benzema in front. That would be more or less the way to go. But at the same time, we are losing uh, Chouameni as uh, as the stopper, which is at this point we don't know if Real Madrid can really uh, you know afford this kind of sub, even though. They could use him in the second half. For example, if Real Madrid are able to get themselves ahead in the first half, scoring once, and in the second half, if they want to keep things tight in the midfield, Chouameni coming in from the bench could definitely do, do things, uh, make things a bit more uh, tricky for for Barca, especially if they don't have Pedri. So, I think that Ancelotti has the the advantage and the lack of having a wide range of playing cards, which he can shuffle around. And most of the time, the result is going to be the end result is going to be uh, pure satisfaction for him. So, I definitely think that that Camavinga is trying to, uh, in some sort of metaphor, calling, uh, knocking at the door. You know, he's knocking at the door for becoming a, a starter more regularly with with Ancelotti, and and we'll see if he has that kind of confidence, even though he's very young, in in this kind of of massive game against Barca. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on now to some listener questions because we put out on our Twitter yeah. to uh, for listeners and followers to ask us questions. So let's get into that now. Um, the first one is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek one, I think. Martin Jones asking, should Florentino Perez pay for his ticket to get in? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh, Florentino Perez has enough money to do whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Jordan asks, what are your favourite fan traditions surrounding El Clasico? And who is the most underrated player to grace this rivalry? Um, I would say that, for example, in Camp Nou, uh, I've uh, attended twice uh, a Barça-Madrid game. 
And most of the, you know, the, the beauty of these kind of games happens outside the ground. You know, um, as most Barca fans know, uh, Camp Nou is very, very close to uh, the the large, big road which comes into Bar Barcelona from from the from the um, highway. And uh, you have so many things to do surrounding El Camp Nou. You can obviously go to the Barca store. You can go to the to the museum. But the kind of atmosphere buzzing for two three hours before the game that is that is absolutely great especially as in my case uh, being a neutral fan and just going into the game and i don't really caring who, for who is going to win and also in in el bernabeu i've gone a couple of times over there too to, to watch a, a madrid barca and i would say that going to the bars and restaurants uh, surrounding the stadium having a drink you know talking with some fans uh, seeing how the the bus comes into into the the big avenue surrounding El Bernabeu, they are they are amazing uh, ways to and traditions for most of the fans to, you know, enjoy the the hours, uh, the previous hours to the game, and uh, yeah, and most of the time, most of the traditions come from Barca and Real Madrid fans who watch the game at home because ultimately mm. that's the the massive uh, amount of them, the the largest percentage of Barca and Real Madrid fans watch the game from their own TV. So, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with your friends, uh, wearing the shirts, uh, asking for some takeaway, uh, drinking plenty of beers, that kind of things are the ones which La Liga should definitely try to promote. And I think that since the pandemic, they are you know getting lost in 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 all of the ruckus surrounding the the competition. Mm. And about the, the underrated player, back in the day, I loved Thomas Gravesen uh, <laughs> playing these kind of games. I loved uh, Michael Reisiger, who played, I believe it was, yeah. uh, I don't know if it was left, left back or right back for Barca, right back, I believe. Um, those kind of random players who have uh, been, you know, uh, starters in, in these games, because we can talk about the Luis Enriquez, Figo, uh, Ronaldo playing for both sides, and and those are the, the typical candidates. But uh, if you talk about underrated players, uh, even you know back in the day when Pepe was playing these games and and showdown his showdowns against uh, uh, Dani Alves were were amazing because you always knew that something was going to happen. Most of the time, it was going to be some kind of unsportsman's wise uh, behavior from one of them. But uh, it was surely enjoyable, you know, enjoyable as hell. Yeah, I'd, I always think of someone like Pedro in these type of moments, the, the underrated hero that always pops up with a decisive moment or a key key yeah. goal or a key play. Big uh, big yeah, game just, player, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fantastic player. Uh, Angel Di Maria as well, perhaps not so underrated, but yeah, equally brilliant in big games. Uh, a couple more questions then from in... Uh, yeah, David James Wilson asks, if you're Real Madrid, would you trade your manager for a Madrid manager of the past? And likewise, if Madrid had their greatest ever manager, who would Barca want to lead their players out? So in other words, kind of match up to the greatest coaches. Which ones would you have from history? I think Real Madrid has had uh, amazing managers, you know, especially in the 90s. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about uh, John Benjamin Tosha, Capello, uh um, Del Bosque, you know, uh, Jupp Heynckes, yeah, even the, Del Bosque, you know, Del Bosque in, in, in the the way I see it, uh, I love Del Bosque by the way, but the way I see it was Del Bosque is very similar to Zidane. I'm thinking mm. about th th those kind of managers who are not really the best 
uh, in a tactical way or, you know, planning ahead in the games, but they know their way around the players. And that is a massive advantage for them. I would say Adel Bosque is very similar to Zidane in that sense, because I don't think that they are masterminds uh, inside the locker room, but they know what things they need to, you know, uh, touch here and there and try to shift around in order to players delivering their fullest potentials. But but I think that they have had incredible coaches uh, throughout their history. And uh, even Jose Mourinho, which is, you know, mm. currently uh, most of Real Madrid fans have finally seen the light and, believe, and, and, and realized that uh, the kind of uh, anger and, and spitefulness which happened back in the day was not good for both Real Madrid and the opposition. But Mourinho knew how to get the best from many players. Also, he knew how to ruin other other players' careers, okay? But I think that he was a great manager too for Real Madrid. And, and it was the way for Real Madrid to stop Barca in their tracks uh, regardless of the way, you know, it didn't matter the way they did, and Mourinho chose the Mourinho chose uh, blood and fire, as the movie said. So, yeah, o- overall, most of the Real Madrid managers in the past have been great, and also I think that Ancelotti might be right up there with the greatest. I think that Ancelotti has the the total package. He's very good tactical tactically. Uh, he knows physically how to you know, get the players to be at their top level most of the time. He knows how to manage old players and veterans. He knows how to give more and more opportunities to youngsters. Uh, And I actually think that (laughs) Ancelotti's biggest issue at this point is trying to keep uh, Vinicius at bay, you know, trying to keep him focused in the football and not... Uh, you know, thinking about other stuff and 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 getting getting provoked, getting into trouble in the games, and I think Ancelotti must be very very frustrated in that sense because the rest of the stuff is going you know pretty smoothly for him. Yeah, I reckon for pure combustibility, it's got to be Pep Jose. Um, but then in terms of different eras, I'm thinking maybe Cruyff against Miguel Munoz, something like that. Um, but uh, anyway, we'll move on. We've got a couple more questions to get through, and we'll try and get through these quickly because we are running out of time but um, David Garrido our amigo he asks if you're Madrid which one Barca player would you trade in for this game and vice versa in other words swap one player from each side I think that at this point Barca finding themselves um, very confident at the back and with Lewandowski in front even though he's finding it tough to score I would say that Barca, or in this case Xavi, would love to have either Vinicius or yeah. either um, Chouameni or Camavinga. Because mm. of, uh, you know, Vinicius on the wing uh, generating danger uh, in front and also having fresh blood to play in that Sergio Busquets position, which has been most of, uh, you know, in the last few seasons, the the weakest because he's... He's not immortal, you know, he's getting older and, and, and the level of performance is not the same. And the other way around, I would say that uh, Real Madrid would love having Gabi in their squad. You know, Gabi has that kind of rowdiness and uh, fearlessness that um, I'm thinking about uh, similar players to be over there. Casemiro had back in the day. Vinicius for Barca and Gabi for Real Madrid. I think that both would be 
very strengthened by by those reinforcements. Yeah, good choices. Not sure either fan base would like to admit it, but I think they quietly quietly settle for that. Final question then from Sam Leverage. He said, this is a great one as well for listeners at home or wherever you're listening. Have a think about this one. Let us know your choice. When you think of iconic Classicos, which stadium has had more or better moments? Bernabeu or Camnell? Um, you know, I've seen that. I, I've been watching games between these two teams for more than 30 years. I'm 36 now. And uh, when I was very, very young, you know, my, my father was a, a manager, a coach, and he was a football nut. And I constantly was, was uh, watching games over on TV. So I've seen um, Cruyff's Barca, as you said, Real Madrid playing at the beginning of the 90s with the last few years of uh, La Quinta del Buitre. And later when, uh, you know, Raul came in in 94 mm. with Baldano and over... And, you know, Barca winning a handful of leagues, I believe five of them uh, consecutively. And and later, remember, Van Gaal, Capello, Jupp Henkes, uh, Del Bosque, as you said. Uh, in Barca, Luis Van Gaal left, Serra Ferrer, uh, Rechac. Um, and then uh, the crisis at the beginning of the of the 2000s, you know, remember, Barca were in shambles. And Real Madrid were winning uh, silverware here and there. And suddenly... Uh, in came Ronaldinho, in came uh, Laporta. Things changed. Barca became the top of the top of the European competitions. Messi appeared, and Messi changed things forever. Um, if I have to choose moments, I think that we've seen more in Re- in Bernabeu because I agree. Yeah, uh, Real Madrid fans had uh, the class back in the day to be able to leave aside their own colors and just. Uh, stand in their feet and clap mm, performances as the ones which Ronaldinho had back in the day or even yeah. Messi had back in the day when he was unstoppable. And I think that speaks very, very well and very highly. I think it's high praise for Real Madrid fans that we've seen those kinds of moments without leaving aside, you know, what Raul did back in the day with Barca. He scored plenty of goals. Uh, Real Madrid were an absolute fortress. They made a fortress out of their ground against Barca for quite a few seasons. Um, um, I don't know. I think that we've had all of the Mourinho and Guardiola era games. We've seen also the 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 six goals scored by Barca too. Um, I don't know. I think that overall, even Camp Nou is, is a massive ground, you know, even bigger than Real Madrid's. Um, the level of uh, fidelity to their own team uh, discards this kind of this kind of recognition to the opposition. Whereas for we've seen in in Real Madrid's ground uh, these kinds of examples. So I, ha- I I would go with Santiago Bernabéu because I think that more interesting things and more classic moments in El Clásico have happened over there. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. I mean, of course we had the Figo. Egghead, that was a can now, wasn't it, in the early yeah. 2000s? But then, <laughs> but then uh, from my memory, we've got Messi's spectacular individual goal yeah, in the Champions I, League. That was a burn. Remember Giovanni, uh, you know, uh, showing the, the bird to to Real Madrid fans and Barca <laughs> fans after he scored a goal, I believe, in 2002. Uh, yeah, Luis Enrique going to uh, El Bernabeu with Barca was an absolute, you know, an absolute and an amazing atmosphere over there. Chance against him, 
booing, whistling. It was more or less the the preview of what would happen a couple of years later with Figo, but yeah. you know, not as intense. But it was also amazing. So yeah, plenty of of classical moments over here to to remember. Fantastic memories, listener. Send us those of of your favorites too. I'm afraid, Paco, that's all we've got time for. We've got we've got through a massive amount there. It's a bumper podcast this week. Um, all that's left is a cheeky quick score prediction from you, please. Uh, I think that um, Barca's environment has been ramping up this game as some sort of vindication after what is going on outside the pitch. I think that we've seen it on, in the press. We've seen it in Laporta's uh, statements in the last few days. Uh, we will possibly see it with Xavi's press conference this this weekend. And I think that Barca are going to go 100%, no, 200% of their ability to try to win this game. And at the same time, I see Real Madrid being so effortless when scoring that I expect goals for both sides. It could easily go like a 2-2 draw. But I think that Barca will eventually get the upper hand. So I think it's going to be a very narrow 3-2. With cool. Barca uh, delivering a big blow to to the competition. Mm, somebody grab the popcorn. We're in for a classic, classico. Thank you very much, Paco. As ever, brilliant to talk to you about this in some depth. We've got plenty of content still to come your way, listener. We're on our Substack, llonline.substack.com. Fresh content every day. And be sure to follow us on Twitter as well, at La Liga Lowdown. We're going to have lots of classico-related stuff over the weekend. So, from all of us here, enjoy the weekend. Uh, Paco Valencia, you've got a big one in Madrid too. Uh, yeah, the best thing of this kind of preview podcast is that we didn't speak about Valencia. So uh, <laughs> ob- obviously, the, my best wishes for all Barca fans, for all Real Madrid fans. I hope that we have an absolute uh, screamer of a game and I think it's going to be massive overall. And yeah, let's see what Valencia are able to do in their visit to uh, Wanda Metropolitano, which is also going to be a very, very tough game for for Pipo Barajas, men. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you very much, everyone, for listening and uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll speak to you again soon. Adios. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 